if you're willing to listen to the worst case scenario, then there's, if you give them that space, by the way, that'll do, the question itself will do most of the heavy lifting because it obviously gives a signal that you give a shit, that you are, you want to be responsible and you care about their experience. And there's like 50 things baked into just the willingness to ask that question. But if you aren't willing to, then all you're going to do is like settle for this kind of hyper transactional bullshit. Because the beauty of it is if you put yourself out there as one that's willing to shift in order to help them generate the experience they want, quote unquote, right, and they could still be miserable. Hey, my friend, before we dive into this week's episode, I have a request. Would you take five minutes and click on the link in the description of this episode to fill out the survey I created about what you would like more from us on the Naked Leadership Podcast? We are so committed to making this well worth your time and our time, and we don't want to miss an opportunity to provide value for you. So if you would, just invest a couple of minutes for the future of the value you can get out of this podcast if we know what you need. Thank you so much for listening and giving us your feedback. Hello, my friends. My name is Chad, and this is the Naked Leadership Podcast, high-stakes conversations for relentless company founders. My co-host and I have over six decades of combined experience in leadership coaching, and this podcast is where we explore it all. There's no conversation too risky. This week, Adrian, Dan, and I sit down, chat about support at home. We dive deep into the relational dynamics between us and the people that we love outside of work. We talk about the question of what it looks like to be supported, what to do when reality doesn't meet your expectations of support. And we ask a question that might flip this whole conversation on its head for you. Let's dive in. Adrian and Dan, gentlemen, so good to be with you. Good to be back. Here we are. Um, Happy to be here. I wanted to, right at the top of this conversation, really quick, I wanted to mention, we have a survey linked in the description of this episode. And if you are a Naked Leadership listener, please go fill out that. Take five minutes, less than five minutes. It's three questions. We want to hear from you. We want to know what you want from these conversations, what would be meaningful and powerful for you. And there's some options in there. It's a very quick, easy, multiple choice survey. But please, it would be so helpful to us to get that feedback from you so that we can continue to create a show, a an experience, a conversation that is meaningful for you, that's helpful. Um, so go go check that out. Click the link. Take the survey. It'll be really, really quick. Okay. On to the topic. So this week, I was talking with one of my clients. And one of the, the main complaint that they came to the call with was a complaint about the lack of support at home. Yeah. And, and I said, well, you know, tell me more. What do you mean? What about, what about, like, how are you experiencing lack of support at home? And he said, well, every time that I have an exciting business idea or a challenge that I'm up against in my work, uh, in the in the business with my team, and I bring it up to my wife, she doesn't have any interest in helping me or talking through it with me, and I just don't understand why she does why she won't support me. Why why doesn't she care about what I'm going through? I want her to be excited about the the new ideas and the the innovation that I'm working on, and I also want her to be able to have ideas or give me ideas about this challenge that I'm up against, maybe it's a sales challenge or a conflict that I'm having with somebody in the team. And she just doesn't, there's nothing there. She doesn't want to talk about it. Or doesn't, not that she doesn't want to talk about it. 
She just doesn't have, she doesn't want to put any energy towards, you know, entertaining the conversation. And I thought, well, this, you know, I'm, I put a little earmark on it. I was like, I think this is a pretty interesting conversation to have on the podcast. Um, and I know where I went with this client and we had a great conversation and he had, he went away from the call with some things to think about mostly um, and compared to his expectations. And I think that was really powerful for him, but I wanted to bring it to you guys and talk about what is, what is support at home look like? How can we engage with it? And mostly how do we develop our expectations around what support at home could look like or should or would look like? So just curious for right off the bat, what do you guys hear in that story? So much. <laughs> um, I have a lot of clarifying questions. Like, how yeah, do, like I would have asked, how do you know she doesn't care? Yeah. Like, where did where that? How did you get that idea? And what is it that she doesn't care about? If she doesn't care, and do you know that the way she's behaving is and is it a result of her not caring? Is it a reaction to some other conversation that she's having about who you are for her and who she is for you? So there's some probably some cognitive stuff I go into first before I, because I want to be really clear what the breakdown is. And the breakdown could very easily be the way he's interpreting her reaction and what may be the context of that reaction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love it. Sorry, go ahead. I was just thinking, um, you know, she doesn't care. I'd be curious what she does care about. Because it's not like, it's not like it's, uh, if I can make it black and white or whatever binary for a second. The, if she's not caring about that, what is she caring about? And you're, you're here complaining she doesn't care about what you care about. Like, do you know what she cares about? Like, what is that? And why is it like that for her? And I'd be really curious about big picture for a second. Like, what got us to here? Let's say she doesn't care. How does, tell me how you earned that level of apathy. What do you mean by that? That's interesting. Talk about that. Well, if she doesn't care, right? So that's a, that's a statement that she, uh, that, 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 She's not interested. She's not committed. She's not supportive and blah, 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 blah. There's she's like a indif- bunch in there. Yeah. She's indifferent to it. Okay, good. Now, what, let's say that's not an accident. Let's say that's an earned position. Like I behaved my way into that and I've created this context where my wife, my partner at home, um, no, in her own mind says it's okay to not pay attention to and not care about what my husband's bringing. Good. Now, if I earn my way into that and I and I set up that context over time, tell me about that. Like, how did you earn it? Like, like if I were to just ask her what her views of my husband's work is, what would she say? How did she get to that view? Um, and are you curious at all about that? Because it seems like you're wanting her to be into this, but you're... You're, she 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 does quote unquote doesn't care and that's wrong and you've stopped the conversation and started to judge her for that instead of actually acting like somebody that does want her to care. 
Because if I acted like I wanted her to care and she didn't, I get really curious about where she is in the conversation versus pulling back and judging her. So that's part of what comes up for me. Secondly, I'd want to hear really the details of the exchange. So like, you know, a little bit of what you're alluding to, I think, Dan, is like, what what did you interpret as her not caring? Like, let's I I want I want to hear the play by play of it, um, because my guess, just I don't know who this person is and what the conversation is, and whatever. My guess is he wasn't very clear about you know the conversation and what he was looking for, and probably didn't make a request. I'm guessing this person feels really guilty or even shameful about how he has um, been focused on work. And so he was like dipping his, this is all what I'm making up, but dipping his toe into the water about it. And at the first sign that she doesn't care, and then based on his unhad conversations with himself or with her, he pulled back to kind of even the score in his own mind to make her wrong, right? You know, like she doesn't care. She should care. I'm over here slaving away, but it's really about the fact that probably he's not, I'm all what I'm making up, that he's probably not been investing at home and feels bad about that and isn't talking about that. So does that make sense? Okay. Totally makes sense. Yeah. I think it's, it's right along the lines of where I went to first and I said, well, that's interesting. What does caring look like? Uh-huh. You know, and we went down a road of like defining what, how he would experience her care in his work. It's good. And that was really interesting because, and this is, I find this in, in a lot of areas in working with clients is that the complaint or, or the, um, the aim of the complaint is not defined, meaning he didn't have an answer, uh-huh. not a specific answer, at least. Yep. Right. It was like, oh, I don't know. She would she would listen or she would be excited or, or yeah, ask him, ask some questions. And um, and and it was a great point. At least it was it was a, a breakthrough moment for him for me to just say, well, look, you're not even clear on what being supported looks like. Now, how would she be clear? On what being supportive for you is. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. My thoughts were, if I got that background information, we you'd actually start to hear how he, as Adrian said, earned his way into that position. As you can see already, he doesn't even know. He, he has to guess at what caring is for her. Yeah. Like, like, and he's 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 there's something ambiguous between them about what that is, and he's not saying. And mm-hmm. I think Adrian's right on. I think it's probably somewhere around feeling guilty about how I haven't been there or I've done too much work or maybe this is a way I'm trying to include her in what's separated us. It could be something like that. I'd be, I'd certainly be listening, checking that along the way for sure. Yeah, it's a, it's interesting how cognitive breakdowns like this are so, you know, Harvard did a study on what, what destroys creating agreement in any negotiation where you're looking to persuade somebody like you want somebody to care about your work. And 97 or 91%, some high percent is cognitive. In other words, it's not something outside of me. It's going on in my head. 
the breakdown is in my in the way I'm interpreting what's going on. In fact, when I see my wife do in this case, when I see my wife pulling back or not listening or what I think is not listening, I make up that she doesn't care. When she could be pulling back, like, I wonder how I could help him. I don't know what I could offer him. It's not in my expertise. I don't want to say something to him that would send him down a road that would even make it worse for them. That's just as likely as I don't care. It could be a, an act of caring. I don't know. You don't know unless you check in. Right? But that's a cognitive breakdown. I'm making up she doesn't care when she's making up she can't give me anything of value. Uh -huh. Right? That yeah. happens in communication in my life all the time. Mm -hmm. So I, <laughs> so I think in the, I think the, of the story as an analogy of that doctor that was, um, you know, before before we before medicine understood germ uh, the spread of germs and all that sort of stuff. The doctor that that was um, running the uh, maternity ward, Doctor Semmelweis. Yeah, Semmelweis. Yeah. And and in his ward uh, was run by doctors, and the neighboring ward in the same building was run by midwives. And the death rate for mothers in his ward was like one in five. Yeah. And the one with the midwives was one in ten. Still not great, but a half of what his death rate was with the mothers. And he couldn't figure it out, and it was driving him driving him crazy. He's trying to he's doing all these things. He's changing the laundry he's you know the way they are standardizing the way they do the laundry among the up um, among both boards and the beds and the rooms and every every variable he could think of and then he gets an assignment and goes away from the ward for a little while and while he's away the death rate lowers significantly and he's going, well, what in the world? Am I the problem? What is going on? And it turns out he and the cohort of the doctors that were running the ward that had went away for a little while were also studying cadavers. And they were, they were wa working on the cadavers, coming back and administering to the women without washing their hands. And as soon Which as they pretty implemented... gross, right? Let's just uh, pretty gross. Like I'm playing with a cadaver and I don't just want to wash my own hands. Like, wow. Anyway, Mr. Salvage. <laughs> You're that's Adrian's nurse coming out there. Yeah. So they implement a standardized protocol for washing hands with lemon and chlorine, and the the death rate drops to one out of a hundred. And then in then he gets hammered by the a the American Medical Association, and they stop washing hands, and it goes back up. It's crazy. Yeah. It's all cognitive. It's all cognitive. Well, and, and you know, he's thinking, "Well, I'm going to change everything out there. Yeah, everything, every variable out there needs to change, or it's that thing's fault, or it's got to be that thing's fault, or whatever." And ultimately, I mean, that realization is, "Oh, it's me. It's what we don't understand about." germinology and like you know how the spread of germs and all anyway ultimately led to some big breakthroughs in the in germ and how how germs spread and all that sort of stuff it's just so it's so interesting to me to think about that is that in these cases particularly with this client it was her mm -hmm. 
right? She's not supporting. With very little thought until our conversations about what, what do I own? What do I contribute? What am I making up? What am I trying to control that's not mine to control? And, uh, and ultimately, that opened a lot of opportunity and exploration about what does he expect? Has he shared the expectations? All of that stuff. What does she expect? What is she longing for? You right. know, um, the Dr. Semmelweis thing, though, is powerful because he then had to face the cognitive dissonance he received from the medical community. And they, we, we was torture. It was, was another, I think, 10 or so years before they actually implemented washing hands in the hospital because they thought it was mumbo-jumbo. They thought he was, you know, a conspiracy theorist or whatever. <laughs> and they did. They, he went under a lot of persecution, then, and the hospital got shut. There was all kinds of stuff that happened around it. Pretty interesting story. Life is not fair. It's what you negotiate. Let me say that one more time. Life is not fair. It's what you negotiate. Now, that's an interesting thought. If that's true, it means that everything you have in life right now, the possessions, the relationships, the fitness, the mindset, are all a product of your negotiations with others and yourself. And if that's true, wouldn't you want to be very clear on how you negotiate what's effective and what's ineffective, what your strengths are and what your blind spots are? It is, after all, producing all the results in your life. So here's the deal. We put together a 15-question quiz that you can take in five minutes or less and find out exactly what your negotiation style is. The results of this quiz will give you insight into your strengths and blind spots in negotiation. It will also give you insight in how you can accentuate those strengths or compensate for the blind spots. Think for just one second with me all of the conversations you're having in your life. Think about compensation or advancement conversations with people on your team, discussing financial decisions with a partner, or just getting your kids to get their damn shoes on so that you can leave the house. All of these conversations are negotiations. This simple yet powerful tool has the potential to reinvent the way you get what you want in every aspect of life. Go to negotiation.takenewground.com right now or click the link in the description of this episode and find out what negotiation style you embody. You can thank us later. Now back to the show. Yeah, pretty amazing. So those for those that are listening and can relate to this story, I mean, this is, this is a topic on seeking support at home or creating support at home. Um, so I want to stay specifically about that, but it's also as umbrella over, you know, there's principles involved. For anybody who's listening who feels unsupported at home, what would you what what questions would you start asking them um, to explore? And I, I think we've already started mentioning a few of them, but I want to be explicit about them so that it's applicable for people. How could they go explore this idea of um, are are they really being supported at home or not? And how would they know? Yeah, if it's if it's a situation that you're complaining about. It's a situation that you want to see change and it hasn't, but you've complained about it in your mind. Maybe you haven't even complained about it with your spouse or your <laughs> significant other. If that's going on, you might just start to ask yourself, what What are you getting out of it? Like, what do you get out of being in complaint? Because you haven't done anything about it. So there must be something. 
that you're getting out of being in complaint. And that that's part of the inquiry. That's part of the cognitive in, inquiry because no matter what you do, if you have that complaint and you do other things to try to show you care, you're just going to reinforce your complaint. Dan, what do you mean get something out of being in complaint? What what could I possibly get out of being in complaint? Well, you could you could be feeling superior. You could because you know that's stupid. She's stupid. She doesn't she see I care. I mean, I've done all this now. I'm including her in my business, and she doesn't even care. See, she really doesn't care. So I get to be right. I could be superior. I don't have to risk finding out something that'd be uncomfortable that might change the way we relate to one another. Maybe I like the way we're relating together, even though there's some bumps. Uh, maybe there's some unspoken things I don't want to hear. I mean, there's a number of things that could be going on that I'm unwilling to, maybe there's to love her or to, you know, show caring to my partner. It requires me to do things I don't want to do, so I don't want to hear it. I mean, there's a number of payoffs that could be it. Yeah. But if I'm not going to get real about it, I won't have the conversation. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I know, I know this one. I mean, I've had this at different times and different relationships I've had where I knew I didn't, how do I say it? Um, I knew that I was, I was scared of talking about what my wife wanted from me. Because that undefined conversation, I had a lot of license in the undefined conversation. You know, so if I brought it up, especially anything that's sour on my side, then we'd get in a real conversation about my own commitment to home and my the time at home and my attention at home. So, and I don't, I didn't want to throttle, I was, I was, it felt like a threat, like her needs would be a threat to my ambitions. So I'd rather you know, even look good in my own eyes that I'm not asking her to be more. I mean, that's another, that's another, I mean, it's kind of been the superiority thing, but if I can like be this kind of suffering saint over here, that's like, you know, putting all this time in and bringing all this money home and blah, 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 blah. And I'm not even, I'm not even supported at home and I'm doing it. Like I get to look good in my own eyes in that way too. It's like, look how hard this is for me. And I'm not even going to bring it up. Look, and I'm not. I'm so good. I'm not even going to bring it up. You're, you must Look be a monk. You yeah. must be a monk. Y- you guys believe me, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. think about it. I don't have to face my inadequacies or my preferences and how they may. You know, I'm faced with either shifting them or, you know, asking yep. for what I want. There's all. There's so much. I don't have to get turned down. There's. There's so much in that. And I yep. don't, it's not something like, I, to me, it shows up like a biological reaction first. Like, oh, I don't want to waste my time. But then when I look under that, all these other things are there. And I think that takes some courage and some patience and some self-acceptance to be able to look and see what's going on for you. Yeah. I think of it, um, you know, it's interesting. The, the One of the questions that really broke some really good conversation in this coaching call was this question, I wonder what it would take to create support at home. I wonder what it would take from me to create support at home. And that that shift from, okay, I'm captain. I'm captain of this experience. I think about like the captain of, of a football team or a soccer team. 
you know, you don't just walk on the field and have support like that. Yep. It's something that you earn. It's something that you go create with the people in relationship. And you've got to be willing to hear feedback. And there's a million aspects of that earning that we could that we could dive into. But just that simple shift of like, I wonder what it would require from me mm-hmm. to create the support I want at home. Then all, I think, you know, that unlocks so many parts of the brain that was just like, oh, I, I would need to ask for what I want. And I would need to find out how I'm not supporting them. And I would need to, you know, blah, 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 blah. And it creates a more curious, interesting conversation than this whiny conversation of like, hmm, I'm not getting supported. (laughs) (laughs) The entitled. Yeah. Yeah, that's good, man. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking even just practically, it's a little bit off topic, but I'm thinking about it in my own life right now of the conversation I had with my kids before they went off to school about them cleaning their rooms when they got home tonight. I'm thinking about, I wonder what's missing from me that they would, uh, imagining, like, that they'd want to clean their rooms. You know, like, how would I need to be with them? What conversation would I need to have versus the one I'm having now, which is kind of like, they let it go... They let they it go to shit and scare the shit out of them, you know. And I think that'll work in the long run. I do threaten them. I I do say like, okay, I'm going to start taking away some privileges. Like that's the threat. Is like, hey, no iPad, no blah 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 blah. Um, I threaten them like that, you know. I, I think I should start waking them up at three a.m. You could, um, you could gamify it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's, I'm thinking about like really. I mean, if I type this into you. my own life, like that's support for me because it is stressful for me that they're you know, and it's it's a lot of like even ego shit in there. It's like if someone were to come over and look in the kids' rooms, how much of a shitty dad do I look like? If the kids, you know, it looks like a you know pigsty, and anyway, all this stuff. Well, I got to you, and that was when we were younger. We're going to church, and Eileen's ragging on Danny about changing the shirt, and she goes. You know, he she goes, What's wrong with you? Why would you change your shirt? And he goes, Oh mom, is my changing the shirt for me or is it because you want to look good at church? Big <laughs> smile on her face, he said, Keep and the it's... shirt on, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, thanks for this conversation. Um, I think there's there's some opportunity here and uh, appreciate both of you. Yeah. Thanks, Chad. Can, I, can I just add one thought on the back end of it? Because to tie this in, um, you know, we talk about kind of the theme here a lot, which is around generating agreement. And I think like this kind of this type of breakdown is like we haven't at any time, whatever, whatever your situation is, if you're listening, thinking about the dynamic between, you know, uh, we use this in particular about like really what's expected and what ought I, I, I what ought I expect and what can I expect and all this. It's really at the base. It's like, what type of agreement do I have with my significant other? Like, who are we for each other? You know, and you can never have that conversation too often. Because if you have it, you know, we all like have an agreement. If you've married to somebody, you you made an agreement at some level when you got married, like wedding day type. And it's amazing how how infrequent people check in around how how am I for you? And, and, and what is your experience of me? And, and just listen to that. And you, you'd be amazed if you haven't had that conversation recently, just go have that conversation. I've been thinking about, you know, my situation, 
you know, like if you're the guy, like how am I as a husband? Like, what's that like for you? And if you can, if you're willing to listen to the worst case scenario, um, then there's, if you give them that space, by the way, that'll do the question itself will do most of the heavy lifting because it, it obviously gives a signal that you give a shit, that you're up for shifting, that you are, you want to be responsible and you care about their experience. And there's like 50 things baked into just the willingness to ask that question. But if you aren't willing to, then all you're going to do is like settle for <laughs> this kind of hyper transactional bullshit. And you're going to live with so many complaints because the beauty of it is if you put yourself out there as one that's willing to shift in order to help help them generate the experience they want, I mean all those words in that order, because you're helping them generate the experience they want. Because you could do everything, quote unquote, right, and they could still be miserable. Um, but if you're willing to do whatever it takes to help them generate the experience they want, it's obvious that now we've got, there's an expectation, like, okay, now we're going to, let's can we do this together? Because then you get to, you know, eventually, maybe not in the same conversation, be able to share your thoughts. And it's like an open field. It's like, you know, it's like, oh, let's create together. And you have to get off of all like the the public, easily consumable. When we're married, it gets boring. When we're married, it gets stale. And I, quote unquote, know her and she, quote unquote, knows me, blah, blah, blah. All that, you know, despair with a dress on around that people have you know, around marriage, like you can, it can, it will invigorate new possibilities. If you're just willing to go find out, um, and stand in that, you know, tension of seeing how you're doing and their eyes, right. You're just getting, you're getting there. It's not like they're assigning your identity. You're getting to know what they think about themselves and you. So anyway, there's some joy in that. If you're willing to do that. And if you are, I'd love to hear about how it goes, by the way. We don't get a lot of feedback, you know, from listeners on a specific topic. But if you have some kind of breakthrough, we'd love to hear about it. Hey, Chad, if they were to communicate, I guess they can communicate me on Instagram or something like that. Um, yeah. yeah, any of us. That'd be great. I'd love to hear it. If you have any of those breakthrough conversations, love to hear them. On Instagram, LinkedIn, please connect with us. And so I just want to be clear. I shouldn't be telling her how lucky she is to be with me. I should stop. She already knows you <laughs> think that, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, gentlemen. Again, please, everybody who's listening, please take a couple minutes to go fill out that survey so we can can be the best that we can be. Yeah. Uh, Appreciate it. Thank you, man. All All right. right. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. Well, my friends, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Naked Leadership Podcast. As a heads up, every Friday we post a Cliff Notes version of that week's conversation with all the highlights in under five minutes. Check that out for a quick and powerful reminder of the principles discussed. I hope this conversation has been valuable to you. If it has, the greatest compliment you could pay us is sharing it with somebody who could use it. Thanks so much for listening and until next week, bye-bye everybody.